Here's the plan for today. Matt Leinart, we're going to preview the playoffs, and he's going to give us some great stories about his national championship games. I'll give you my picks, and we have life advice. Happy New Year. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Okay, excited uh, to do this before the big games get started in college bowl season. Matt Liner, USC legend, Manhattan Beach legend, also part of Fox Sports coverage, big noon kickoff. All right, what's up, man? How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good, man. Fired up, fired up for these games. Uh, Let's start here. Turn around, dude. It just must be nice, man. I know. We have the shades closed, too. You're such a West Coast guy now. You're a SoCal guy. I love it. I know. I'm just, I'm relaxed. There's no, there's no edge to me anymore. I've lost all my edge, but I'm happy. <laughs> That's good. It makes you happy, man. It does. It's hard to be in a bad mood when you walk outside and you're like, you know what? Today's, today's still going to be all right. Um, let's, uh, let's dig into this. Who are you most surprised of that are in the final four here in the playoff? It's a good question. Washington. Um, I, I honestly thought Oregon was going to beat them in the Pac-12 title game. And I honestly still think Oregon is one of the four best teams in the country. But look, I, I give Washington a lot of credit, man. They they had that little kind of couple games in the middle of the year where you're just like, God, this team. And I think it was Arizona State. USC took them down the wire. Arizona took them down the wire earlier in the season. Um, but they just found ways to win. And that offense is absolutely dynamite. Like Michael Penix Jr. is a stud. Those receivers are stud. Kalen DeBoer is really good. It's, I'm really surprised just because I really thought Oregon, I didn't think they could beat Oregon twice. And look, I think Michigan, I knew Michigan, it was the best team in the Big Ten all season long. I wasn't surprised by that. Um, Alabama did not shock me beating Georgia, especially the way Alabama has been playing the, the back half of the season. And Texas, you know, we saw Texas firsthand earlier in the year against Kansas State. And there really is just something special about that team. You know, it wasn't always pretty, but you look at them and you're like, damn, like this is this is a national title team, like the way they look and the way they play, especially on defense. I think Washington probably, Ryan, is the one that was a little surprising. Okay, let's go through the four quarterbacks then. I want you to start. Let's just start at the top with J.J. McCarthy, and then you know we can I can cut in or, or take it wherever. Give me the things you like and maybe the things you're still concerned about with each of the guys. So let's start with Michigan. And I've seen J.J. a lot. Uh, I've seen a lot over the last couple of years. 
from last year to this year, year one to year two is always the big jump in development, right? Just the way you see defenses physically, all of those things. Um, and he's, he's, a, he's interesting because he's not asked to do a lot there. Right. So I think some people are like, he's a first round pick, you know, how he's, you know, he's Penn State threw the ball seven times in a game. Like this was, this is a Heisman candidate who threw the ball seven times. Um, but when you see him in person, the strengths one, he's, he's, he's got a really good arm, a lot better than people are going to be, you know, people are gonna be like, eh, he's not the biggest guy. Like he could sling the ball. Um, he's a high, high level athlete. Who's going to probably run high four fours, maybe a low four five at the combine. He's that fast. Um, so he has, and he's, and he's just an incredible leader, man. He talked to this kid. Um, just, he just has it right. He just, he's respectful. He understands the game. He understands the position. He's a great team leader. Um, so I think physically and everything you want from a leader of a franchise at the next level, like he's everything you want. Uh, I think, I think the concern is just the size. I think that's a natural one. He's not the biggest guy. Um, he is probably six, two, six, three, but he's not, built how you probably want a quarterback to be built. But I mean, you look at some of the guys down the league. I mean, some of the guys that are having success, like you don't have to be 230 pounds and six, five anymore. Um, but I think that's just the one thing and the system and he plays and, you know, he's not asked to do a whole lot. So as you go to the next level, uh, and you spread things out, you know, I think he'll be able to handle that. That's just, that's just with how he plays at Michigan. Um, we can go, who are they playing? They're playing Alabama, right? Jalen Milrow. Um, he's, he's unique, man. Like I've seen him in person in the summer. He, he looks like a linebacker dude. Like he's, and he's so raw and so unpolished, which is scary because of the improvement that he had throughout the season. I, I do want to give Tommy Reese though. See a ton of credit though, man. Tommy Reese was fantastic with him. Um, in one building back his confidence from being benched, which is really tough to do, but just developing him and, and, you know, using his strengths and all the quarterback runs and just breaking down, you know, half the field to make it easier on him as he progressed. Uh, I still think he's a work in progress, big picture, but, um, if you've seen him in person, dude, like that, that guy looks like a starting middle linebacker. who's going to run a four, three, a lot of like Anthony Richardson vibes, I think, right. Just the size, um, probably not as polished as the pa I think AR was a really good kind of passer. I think he got knocked a little bit, just the, the polish of the mechanics. I think Milrow has a lot of work to do there, but, um, he's a, he's, he's a stud man. Um, and he knows his strengths. Uh, Michael Penix is, is interesting to me. Um, we covered him at Indiana all the way back. And I think if you look at, his maybe the, the, the concerns, obviously he's older. So you want, you, you wonder about his ceiling, like, you know, how much better is he going to get the next level? Um, I think the injury history is a real concern, although he's, he's been great this year. I mean, just the ACLs and I think that shoulder, whatever he's been uh, throughout his career. Um, so that's always something that, you know, NFL teams are going to take, you know, take into consideration, but um and, and some of the throws, like I'll, I'll watch film on him, and I'm just sitting there like this dude throws off his back feet and like so many times and not just like off platform throws where you're kind of flushed and like the, the patch of my home stuff, like in the pocket, a guy, one guy coming at him and like, he's like leaning back, throwing a 40 yard dart in triple coverage. And it's like, I'm like, damn, like it's one of those plays where you rewatch re again. So like the accuracy, um, he's got good arm strength, enough arm strength. 
uh, the leadership, all those things. Like he's really good. I don't know if he's a first round guy. I mean, I've seen him sneak into first rounds, but um, he's the guy that will be a backup. And then if he gets an opportunity, I think he, he, because he's a great thrower, like he can throw the football as well as anybody. Um, Quinn Ewers, I think he's coming back and he's, I think I, I love the kid. Um, I got a chance to spend some time with him um, earlier this year when we were at Texas. Great kid. Um, I just think he's got a lot of, I, I'm glad he's coming back because I think he's really like an unfinished product. I think the natural talent is there. Um, the arm talent is crazy. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's Herbert esque. It's Mahomes esque where it's just very, very effortless the way he throws the football uh, and the arm angles. Um, he doesn't shoot. He doesn't even use his legs. I think, I think the deep ball needs work. I think that's something that he would tell you. I think just the deep ball, the accuracy. Um, I think his mobility is a lot better than he probably, than you probably would think. Cause he doesn't run a ton. Um, but I think he will benefit another year with Sark and that system and just the quarterback development that Sark will give him, um, where he'll be a future first round pick. So I think he's, he's got a lot of room to grow in my opinion, but the upside is tremendous. I'm with you on the Penix part of it. Like if you had told me this is what he was going to become after watching him at Indiana, where it was, it was fun at Indiana, but I never really felt that it was consistent. Now, granted he might have three NFL guys at receiver, but you know, his, the risk that he'll put on some of these throws where he knows Odunze is going to get it, you know, see McMillan back in the Oregon game was a big part of their success in that one. And then you include the running back who was a stud. I, I just, I, I admire what they do so much because even if you think you're slowing them down, you're constantly in fear of them. And I think that like, that's going to be the scariest thing to go up against the defense. It's like we can hold them for 50 plays, but there's going to be maybe 10 where we get smoked and that's how they play. And that's the personnel they have. Look, I know the game has changed and it's continuing to change at the quarterback position and guys like obviously like myself, the six, five, you got to stay in the pocket. Like Penix is so freaking good in the pocket. And he's like at that level, at the next level, I don't care what you still have to throw between the tackles and you still have to make a freaking third and nine throw. And you still have to be able to put it between three defenders and you still have to be on time on time, decision-making and accuracy were the three things in damn near every quarterback room that I was in, no matter who was starter, that was the thing. If you're accurate and Penix has all of those elite elite. So like, he's a fantastic player. And to your point in this game and just the way Washington plays, they don't run the ball really well. They don't really care. Although they did run the ball pretty well against Oregon. Um, and playing Texas, who has one of the worst pass defenses in, in the country this year, they haven't defended the pass very well. Like any time, any one of those receivers will go off. A Dunze is a freaking animal. Like that dude is so good. Polk is so good. These guys, they, they, they just keep coming at you. And all of a sudden you're looking, you're like, you think you slowed them down. They just put up 40 points. I, I look, I, I don't, I don't know if they're going to win the title. I probably honestly think Alabama is probably the best team of those four. Although it's, it's by a minimal margin, the way they're playing, like, I would not be shocked if Washington wins at all. Like everyone's on Texas and now they're favored and all of this stuff. And it's because Texas is good with the brand and all that. Like Washington is really, really good, man. And they played a really difficult schedule. So like they're battle tested, their defense improved enough. And their offense, as you said, like their offense is just, they're so dangerous. Like they're so dangerous at any point. And they got a QB man who's played in a lot of big games. Who's won a ton of games. And like, 
Like they've come from behind multiple times. Like that's, that's a dangerous team. And I'm telling you, like they are really good. Yeah. Dylan Johnson was so good against Oregon. I mean, he had some huge games. He lit up, <laughs> he lit up SC, which, which isn't the most shocking thing uh, when you think about this season. But I do feel like people are, well, I was dismissive of against him just as you were in the rematch against Oregon because I'd watched both Oregon and Washington play to close out the last six weeks. And so going into that, you're like, look, Oregon loses a close one at their place. They had a lead late, lose on the kick, you know, whatever. They'll get them, they'll get them in a neutral site and then it doesn't happen. And I think Dylan Johnson was as big a part of that as anything for them. So I have a, a part of me that, you know, hates what's happening to the Pac-12 so much that would love to see this happen because, you know, I still wonder with the Pac-12, if they'd had two more playoff participants somewhere in the drought here, if if that would be able to salvage it. Like sometimes I think the recency of all oh, the Pac-12 is so down, it's so down. And as Florida State realized, this whole system was set up to leave one of the partners in the Power Five to be really disappointed. And unfortunately for the Pac-12, it kind of cycled out there a bunch of times. Not that they should have had a team that had as good of a, a, an argument as Florida State did. But watching it all fall apart and then go into this year and feeling like it's kind of right there with the SEC, certainly on the top side of depth. There's no other conference you put in the conversation with those two. Maybe the Pac-12 is even better. I have a weird part of me that's rooting for Washington to pull this off, although it's going to feel incredibly bittersweet because if it maybe it happened a couple of years prior, I don't know if it saves the conference because leadership has been a question there, but it just makes me think because I hate what's going to happen. I, yeah, I don't think it would have saved it, but Right. It was interesting this year going, and even, even with USC down like this year and having the year that they had, it was the deepest conference probably in college football. Um, because even teams like Oregon state's really good and or like Oregon state, maybe, you know, four or five that I'll put that team against any other fourth or fifth place team in any other conference. Like, like they're a really good team. Arizona became a really good team. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, look, it, it's, it's, the more I think about it, and we did like this, this PAC 12 essay on the, on the farewell, of the PAC 12 and on, on, on our show. And people ask me all the time and I'm just like, okay. Yeah. And then when I really stopped to think about it, I'm like, it's just, it's, 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 it is, it's really, it's kind of sad. It's really crazy, man. You think about the history and the players and the games and, um, and I, just for me personally, like playing in championships and being a part of the run that I was on at USC, a part of the PAC 10 at the time, um, how, how it's no longer, it's, a, it's, it's, it's sad. Um, it's unfortunate because of the leadership that obviously, um, kind of led to this point. And then just, just the way college football and the conferences and, and the money and all that is shifting. Obviously this is a new world in college football. Um, and it, it's continuing to shape itself with, with the portal and NIL and all those things. Um, so I, I'm with you. I, I, I selfishly hope Washington wins it all for that. And Kalen DeBoer is a great dude. And, you know, like Washington's up in the Pacific Northwest, man. Like there, there is regional bias. We know that no one in the South probably has watched them play other than maybe the Pac-12 title game. Um, I, I hope they win. I think they're good enough to win. But yeah, I think just to kind of go out with a bang. I mean, I think Pac-12 had a great year. Um, but to go out with a bang would be awesome. So I, I, I'm rooting for them. Um, I, and I, 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 I believe they can win it, dude. I really do. Like people aren't giving them a chance. I'm telling you like that, that team, I guarantee you Sark is like, dude, if we don't come to play, we're going to get beat for sure. Yeah. Texas is, you know, watching them beat Alabama on a Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Like that's probably the best resume thing of any team all season long. And granted, Alabama was 
probably not Alabama now, although I'm sure as you're talking about it, some listeners are pushing back being like, hey, second half of the season, they almost lost to Auburn, um, which, you know, I don't know if it sounds like a pass or not, but that that game when it's at Auburn just seems to be inexplicable all the time. But, you know, when you're building out entire resumes, certainly if you're a Florida State fan too, you're like, oh, cool. So that game doesn't count. Um, so, you know, look, I, I, I'm trying to be fair and acknowledge like all the different parts of, of what this conversation is going to these matchups. But I don't know if like going into the Oklahoma State game, I, I didn't think Oklahoma State had a chance. They had too many games. You're like, they're not that good. Um, and losing to Oklahoma in their rivalry game, I would say the same thing with Texas in that one. Like, I thought Texas was the better team. Leave the game. It was a lot like the first Oregon-Washington game. I was like, I think if they played again, I would have picked Texas. Who knows? Who knows if Oklahoma had found a way to get back into it. But it does feel like with the drama around Alabama and their resurgence, the Washington-Oregon buildup, and then Michigan with a kind of game like Ohio State and no one even cared about the Iowa. Of the four, even if Texas is favored, it feels like Texas is the one that's just kind of hanging around without the expectations, which seems crazy for them. Like everyone was waiting for this resurgence in this moment, and in a way, you have it. They are in the playoff with Sark, and yet it still doesn't feel as big as it should have felt with the entire decade-long run of Is Texas Back? No, that's a great point. I think, too, because the the whole Florida State and and just the drama with the fourth, like you couldn't you couldn't put Bama in and not have Texas in, right? Because of the win in Tuscaloosa. I think that was like, at least that's how I thought it. Like, I don't care if you win the SEC. I think Bama is a good team, but like Texas has to pass. Like that game had to matter. Like you went on the road and you beat them and you handled them. I, even if it was in September or November, but you're right. Like there, there's less, there's less like the PAC 12 drama, the Washington, Oregon game, the, the Heisman hype between Penix and Knicks. Like that was awesome. And then Michigan and the Harbaugh, just like every single week, Harbaugh watch what's going to happen and Michigan versus everybody. And then obviously the game, like that's the biggest game of the year. Um, and then you have Alabama who, you know, then you have an sec team and they, they knock off the two time defending champ. And now, and Bama gets in over Florida state, right. And that like Texas kind of is just like, okay, they're in and no one's really talking about them. And then you, and then you look at their year and it was just, it was kind of, you know, like they had some dominant wins. They had a lot of wins where they're just kind of like ho-hum and you're like, you barely beat Kansas state. who's a good team, but you're like, there's just some games where you're just like, eh, but this doesn't matter. And I've seen a lot of teams up close. Like if you look at that, that defense up close, like we went and watched practice like that front four, when you, when you watch it, when you watch this game, look at like sweat and Murphy, like that front four is every bit of Alabama, Georgia, every bit of an NFL front four I've ever seen. And I was like, Holy hell. And they're, and they're good. Like that's why Texas is, is really good. It, offensively. They have weapons. Quinn Ewers plays just, if he just plays well, he doesn't, you know, he's a little inconsistent at time. Like Texas is a really dangerous team, but to your point, yeah, it's like, this is the year Texas is finally back. And like the expectation, the pressure on Sark and to win there. And like, no one's really talking about them, you know? And, and I think, and, I think any one, any four of these teams could win the title. Like I, and, and again, I think in previous years, there's been one dominant team, obviously this year. I, I don't, I don't see that. I think obviously matchups probably are favorable. I think Alabama, I think it's a tough matchup for Michigan, to be honest with you, but um, any four of these teams can win, man. Like, I think that's, that's what's, and, and I do feel bad for Florida state, but that's been, what's been great about this year. I think. I'm totally with you. The depth of 
you know, we're, we're basically the last week going into conference championship weekend. You're like, there's seven teams that are still alive for this, which is why I know Georgia's six. And like, <laughs> come on, like Georgia's still, you could argue easily they're one of the four best teams in the country. I mean, it's just, yeah, right. But to your point with the Texas Bama game, like what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? Exactly. Right. So, all right, let's uh, let's pivot that then too, because look, I agree with the D line that night in Tuscaloosa watching the D line. Like it was just very weird to watch Alabama, especially at home look like their O-line was having the issue, and they were because of that front. And even though I think Oregon's front was was better than, you know, if you're just a real casual watcher of football and you're thinking, oh, the Pac-12 just doesn't have the guys along the lines. Yeah, you're right. I mean, historically, that's been their weak part because of geographically where they are. Those guys, they're not grown that way out west. Maybe some pockets of Arizona and L.A., but for the most part, the South has dominated that part of it, and you would think Texas as well. And I think Oregon had a couple of those guys, but not probably the depth and certainly not the size combination of, of what you have with Sweat uh, at the front there. All right. So why do you think Alabama is a bad matchup for Michigan? I think M- Michigan's a really good team. Um, this year, it's interesting. I, I, my biggest concern in this game is, is, is two things on, from Michigan's standpoint. Is one, their, their offensive line we, we saw them the last three weeks of the year. So we saw them Penn state, we saw them Maryland and then Ohio state. They got beat up pretty good by Maryland and they got beat up pretty good by Penn state. Who's an elite defense and Ohio state got after them pretty good. Um, they're not. And then they lost Zinter, obviously, who's a big part of that. Um, Alabama's front, obviously very good. That, that part makes me a little nervous from Michigan. Like Michigan's not going into this with like, are we have, the best offense line in the country. I probably, well, I think Washington probably has the best offense line in the country. So, so just that up front, this isn't as a dominant group as it's been. Um, and then staying on that side of the ball, the, the, the biggest thing is can Michigan, you know, win a shootout? Can Michigan, do, do they have enough playmakers? You know, Roman Wilson's their number one target. Um, not the biggest guys fast, whatever, but outside of that, they have, they have good players, but they don't have, the Washington receivers, you know, obviously Alabama and then Alabama Milrow, obviously when Texas has Mitchell and Brooks has been, or Brooks is out, sorry, Baxter and uh, Whittington, those guys like Michigan doesn't have an explosive offense in that regard. So if, if they just take away Roman Wilson and that's what we saw against Maryland, like they took Roman Wilson was out, I think with a concussion early, they had nobody that stepped up on the outside. That is my concern in this game. Now, if they can run the football, control it. McCarthy will be very active in the run game. Then they got a shot. I think that's just, to me, that is the biggest concern I have for Michigan. I think Michigan's defense is outstanding. And the number one thing is, is do not let Milrow beat you on the ball. Just don't like that. It's hard, but that's what you do. You make him throw it. You make him be a passer and Michigan's front is, is really good, man. Like they're nasty and they'll rotate nine guys. Uh, that's what makes them really good on that side of the ball. For me, it's just the playmakers, man. Like, I just don't, like, I don't know if they have enough in that game. And maybe they're not going to need it. Maybe they can run with Gorham and Edwards 40 to 50 times like they can in the Big Ten. But Alabama's different. Alabama can score. Alabama can control the game as well. So I think that's the biggest concern I have. If you look at Michigan, you know, when I go back to two years ago, they run into Georgia, they lose, whatever. You know, it was a bit of a wake-up call, I'm sure, for them. Like, But I was happy they were back in the playoff after all the Harbaugh criticism. And, I'm, you know, my position has always been with some of these programs, like, if you're going 7-6 and six the bowl game, then we can talk. But, like, when you're, when you're right there at the end of the year in the playoff conversation, like, be careful what you wish for. I've already covered all that kind of stuff. 
the TCU loss is damning. Yet when we watched Ohio State and Georgia play out, like after that game, you're kind of like, that was the national championship. Like that was the national championship game. Um, the TCU won, though, considering who they've been all season, you're like, okay, and JJ has some mistakes in there. This would easily be, though, um, because even last year, I wasn't sure if I thought Michigan was better than Ohio State. I thought that second half was like a really fluky, weird game. And then the way the playoffs kind of played out, I felt right about it, even though, again, the head-to-head. This year, it was very clear, Michigan, especially with the gap of quarterback, like Ohio State couldn't hang with that team. Uh, and Michigan dictating the game the way they need to, whether it was the Penn State game or the Ohio State game, just knowing, hey, our defense is really this good. And I'm with you a bit. And like, I don't know that you're going to be able to do that against Bama, especially if Milrow can get Burton a couple times and he's probably going to escape for a couple deep runs. But this would be the devastating loss. The, the other two are last year's frustrating. Two years ago is understandable. This one would be devastating, which is really, it can sound stupid saying it out loud about Alabama, but the way they've played this year and the way everything's gone on and Harbaugh's future and all this stuff, this one would really sting if they don't get the first one in the playoff. I think, like you said, you lose to Georgia a couple of years ago and you get rolled and you're like, okay, like that, that's we have to build our team to beat Georgia. You have to build your team to beat uh, Alabama's of the world, Clemson's, you know, a couple of years ago, those types of teams that you're going to play in the playoff. Uh, I, I do, I do. I, I agree. Like last year, like McCarthy, what he threw two pick sixes. Like it was just one of those games where, you know, they ran into and they, they still could have, should have won that game. They ran into that Cinderella story. And, and again, I think Georgia or Ohio state, whoever won that game was going to win the title. Um, this year they have the quarterback. Um, they have obviously quorum and the, the running backs came back for that reason. Um, their defense, some of their guys, Colson and like Sainer still is a stud. Like he's a first round pick. I think like he's a great player. Um, like this is the, this is the year you have to do it because one, I think Harbaugh's gone. I think he's, I think he's going the NFL. I mean, I think that's obvious. Um, and I think McCarthy's gone, um, even though he hasn't declared now, it wouldn't shock me if McCarthy stayed just because of the type of kid he is, but this is it, man. This is like, you build your team for this. You know what it takes. You have, I think the oldest, most veteran team in all of college football. I think they have like 70 or 75 or 80 upperclassmen on the team. Um, and they have, I think the most valuable asset they have is they have experience. They understand what a playoff is like. Um, they understand what it's going to take, but you know, like you're playing Bama, man, like that, like, and Bama is playing as well as anybody right now in the country. So I'm with you. I like, like, I don't want to say like, how do you not, how do you come back from a loss against Bama? But again, with the uncertainty of Jim Harbaugh being there or not, the quarterback is probably gone. You're going to lose all your best players, Colson, Corm, all these guys are going to draft. Like where does men, they're recruiting well, but where do they go from here? Like you're so close. Like what gets you over the hump? And um, it's going to be interesting, man. I think they can beat Alabama. There's no doubt. Like, I don't think this is a lopsided, are there, I think they're favored in the game. I, I saw that earlier, but um, it's going to be a tough one, man. Yeah, it opened up, I mean, depending on when this airs, but as of right now, our taping, Michigan's favored by a point and a half, Texas favored by four and a half. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Okay, I always love going back to story time. We're coming up on 20 years here. You're not that old yet, though, so I'm, I'm still happy for him. I'm still rooting for Matt. Uh, I was looking at, I was looking at the, the run, 
you know, where you've got the Oklahoma game, you've got the Michigan game where you end up in the polls. And then, of course, you know, there's the Texas game, which is, you know, I, I hate, I'm sure you're reminded of it too often, but it's still for college football fans, maybe the greatest modern era game that we've ever seen. Let me, let me get a story from you on like, whether it's the confidence of the group the first time around the, I, you know, I don't know. I've never really talked to you about it because when you're as good as you were at SC, does, does the confidence get too much or is it, is it better? Or are you better off when it's new and it's not expected? Pick one of those games for me and give a, give the audience a story on kind of like the mindset of going into those matchups for a national championship. It's interesting. I think, you know, so we played in, I mean, three, you know, obviously Michigan, we shared the title with LSU. So, the hoopla around that game wasn't as big. Um, we, and this is a credit to Pete, man. Pete Carroll was fantastic. And like, we never were too bit too up for a game too down for a game. And, and like, there's a lot of cliches like, Oh, it's just another game. And it like, like it, and I genuinely say this dude, like every game was just another game for us. Now. Yeah. You go into the title game and you're like, okay, like it feels bigger, but like he never let us get, bigger than what it should be. Because at the end of the day, it's a football game that you go out and you prepare for and you play now. And, and if we let like, like, cause he knew that, you know, like if you let the emotions of the game get to you, let you start reading all the clippings. Like he hated that stuff. Like we didn't, we didn't like he, we didn't talk shit. We didn't really, we just did our job. Now we knew on the field, like we knew we were better than you from, I mean, damn near every team we played. But we didn't talk during the week. We didn't talk in bowl, se- bowl season preparing for the game. We just went out and we talked amongst ourselves. So like, we're going to whoop their ass. Like, we, like we feel good. Like, we knew every time we were going to go on the field, even in Texas, that's how we, that's how we felt. Texas is a little different. Though. We were a little, I think our, our P was a little more worried about uh, playing Vince Young and those guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, the mindset is, is that, man. And, and again, and I just said it about Michigan. It takes experience. We were really experienced you know, obviously I'd played in a lot of big games. Um, that junior year, our defense was like, we had Deshaun Cody's, we had Lofa Tatupu, who was outstanding. Matt Grudigood, who was still the best high school player I've ever seen. And he was a Buckus award candidate at USC. Like we were so veteran late in that we just went in and we did our job. And the same was against Texas. Now we had, we were a little younger cause we had Dwayne Jerry. We had some of these younger players, but we still had a bunch of guys, Reggie guys, guys that went around. Um, the other day I was in Vegas for the awards of college football or the, the um, hall of fame because Reggie got in and I ran into, and Derek Johnson just got in and we didn't, I didn't play Derek Johnson. He was, but a lot of the Texas guys that were on that team that we played in 05 were there. And I'm looking and I'm just thinking like, there's Jamal Charles, right? There's Arakpo, there's Huff, there's Griffin, there's VY. And we're all in there in the lobby of the hotel. Like they all had the burn orange. And I was by myself. I was waiting for all my teammates because we were surprising Reggie. And I'm like, and then to your point, I'm thinking like, damn, like that was like that game One, the game lived up to the hype, but the players, whether some of us didn't excel the NFL or not, that game, the amount of talent, the players on that field is, is second to none, man. Like it was like, like Jamal Charles, I was like, I, Jamal Charles was like a, like a, like a freshman, I think in that game. And like, you look at what he became, right. So, um, Arakpo was on freaking like all pro and he was a freshman in that game. So, um, dude, we were just, we were out there to kick your ass, dude. Like it didn't matter if it was Colorado state or if it was Oklahoma. 
I love Michael Huff. Loved him. They were loaded, man. Fuck, we should have beat them. Damn it. (laughs) Real quick, though, and and, you know, I'm sharing this too because I, you know, got to know you a little bit in that maybe you have the perfect personality to be a quarterback in that Oklahoma game because that's your first one, right? Like the new thing is taking over. Pete's taking over. And now it's like, oh, wait, this is real. And you're going to roll. And Oklahoma goes up seven nothing to start the game. And like, are, are you, is there any part of you where you're a little bit freaked out in the beginning? I was pissed off that game. And I, and this, I don't know if I, it's not, I mean, it's not a funny story, but so that was the year I won the Heisman. And AP, Adrian Peterson had his true freshman year, ran for like 1,800 yards. He finished second. And, the whole, and again, you've seen me, like I wasn't like, I was a lot heavier than, but I'm like, not the most physically like gifted looking athlete. Like I could throw the ball at that, but I wasn't, I didn't, couldn't run like kind of long and gangly. And that whole, the three weeks leading up to that game, the amount of like shit talking that they did saying this guy won the, I'll never forget this guy won the Heisman. What? Like, like they were making fun of me. And like no joke. I mean, you could probably Google press clippings like of the Oklahoma defense. I think Larry Burdine, I'll never forget. I think he was the defensive end that was just talking out of his ass. And then the week of you had to do um, some events together, like, you know, some dinners together, both teams are there, like whatever. And again, they were like, that's the Heisman trophy. When they need like, I don't know. I, I could hear them. Like it was, it was, I was like, all right, guys, like, you know, and I, and you know me, like I have, you know, I had some swag back in the day. I had a lot of confidence. I was like, all right. Like uh, it, it, it pissed me off so much. And even Pete was like, all right. So we were good. So going into that game to answer your question, um, our defense dude was so good that year. Like, like, it, like their offense was loaded. Like Jason White was a Heisman trophy winner. AP was fantastic. Like going to that game, there was, I'd never, I'd never thought we'd beat them the way we did. Never. Like that was one of those games where everything went our way and then they just couldn't come back. Like we hit them with a tornado and they didn't know what to do. Um, they go down and score and I wasn't now like, like we, like the thing people need to remember for us. And it's the same as Ollie. like, we were down in a bunch of games that year. Like we almost lost to Stanford, uh, Cal Aaron Rodgers, like the fourth down and nine or first and nine from the nine yard line. Like we stopped them barely. Like there were, we, we played in a lot of close games. Like, so we weren't like, we weren't really worried about it, to be honest with you. Um, I knew we were going to score, um, but the punt, the punt return or the punt fumble was the one that shifted everything. I think it was seven, seven. And then they punted to us and then we scored Lindell the first play. And that was it. And I'll never forget too at halftime we were coming out and like, they, they were, they were like literally on the, on the field. Like they didn't want any part of us, dude. It was like 35 and seven. Oh yeah. They were, they were telling the offensive line, like, dude, like let's run the ball, get it. Like they were just getting their ass kicked. And it was like, like, that's a true story. Dude. They didn't want to know part of us in the second half. And we were just running it up on them, dude. It was awesome, man. But they were talking so much smack that game. It was unbelievable. I was like, you guys just, you guys poked the wrong bear, dude. Like we're going to, we're going to score a ton on you guys. So (laughs) I just love the idea of them seeing you at some dinner and being like, Oh, they literally, I swear dude. they were like, and then Burdine, it was Burdine was his name. He hit me late on the thing. And like, I started talking shit to him and like, 
you know, the, and I wasn't a great shit talker, but I was just like, look at the scoreboard and I had five touchdowns that game. And, uh, yeah, they were, they, they didn't want any part of that, man. And then Bob Stoops, who obviously is a good buddy of mine. Like we still, to this day, he's just, he's still bitter. He's like, God, you guys kicked our ass. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we did. <laughs> 55, 19, the final for the USC Trojans and five touchdowns, a clean day for liner. And a hell of an after party, buddy. A hell of an after party. All Pete, all Pete Carroll, all Pete Carroll said was, "Don't miss the flight the next morning, boys. Have fun." That's all he said. <laughs> that was great. We'll get that one. Uh, we'll do that. The yeah. after party pod series yeah. that we're trying to launch and get funding for now. Uh, thanks as always, man. Matt Leinart, Fox Sports. Enjoy the games. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra. An appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. College football playoff. Let's do this. Okay. We understand the Michigan and Alabama resumes. You realize that Bama has never gone three years without winning a national championship under Nick Saban. So one of the things that I was looking at here is the offensive line stuff. And I would argue over the course of the year, looking at this Bama team, like the hard part is, did they figure it out? And this is right there with these others, or is this still a lesser version? Because the receivers are good. The two running backs are good. The offensive line feels like it's a lot better. Their front seven at times kind of waiting on, all right, they're going to be a run first and then destroy you up front team. Are they that team? At times they've shown it, and they've shown that they finish really strong. The corners are solid, which I don't know that you're going to need all of those corners. I mean, the corners are actually really good for Alabama. And when you think of the lack of depth at receiver for Michigan, you wonder, well, are they going to be able to do some other things there because they don't feel like they have to defend, say, like a Washington receiving core because of what's going on there. On the other side for Michigan, I'm a little worried about the offense not having to really be worried perhaps all season long <laughs> and even more so later because it was Penn State doesn't matter and McCord at Ohio State they never really felt threatened you know even though there was there was a bit of a moment where it felt like a bit of a game and then Iowa say whatever you want they put some NFL guys in the league though right so the point of all of this is is as I'm trying to like figure out where these two teams have been there's there's two things that I think are important here the Bama O-line, which I thought was just flat out overrated the first half of the season, they gave up 35 sacks in eight games. And part of that is Milrow understanding and the O-line understanding Milrow. Um, but Bama's O-line has given up only nine sacks in the last five games. So that has gotten better. Iowa, which was 12th during the regular season in sacks in the Big Ten, they had four sacks and 11 pressures against Michigan in the Big Ten title game. So I don't know that you're just going to run it at Bama. I think that front has gotten better. I think their O-line has gotten better. 
And despite there's still moments where I go, this isn't this world beater Alabama team. Michigan certainly can beat this team. I'm looking at that kind of O-line matchup here as the deciding factor of why I'm going Bama plus one and a half. If you want a little two to one pay action on this, go Bama plus the one and a half. Figure Burton's good for a couple deep shots over 50 yards. That's going to pay out two to one on FanDuel right now. Texas, Washington. I've gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on this one. I feel like more people that I talk to actually like Washington, uh, despite Texas being the favorite here. I feel like that number's a little dismissive of who Washington has been. Washington certainly surprising me in winning the rematch with Oregon. And I think one of the biggest things that I saw, especially in the Oregon game, was Dylan Johnson, the ride, uh, excuse me, the running back for Washington. I thought he was the story as much as anybody else, as much as the receivers all being healthy for Penix. But, I mean, he went for 28 carries, 152 yards in that game. And it wasn't just the 152. It was that you thought you had him at a two-yard gain, and it was a six-yard gain. And it happened over and over and over again. So, you know, Dylan Johnson, I thought was maybe the most important guy. I mean, it's easy to say Penix. It's easy to say McMillan's back and everything. And then Rome, who's just maybe, you know, right there with everybody not named Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe sometimes he is. Uh, I've, I've liked this Washington team so much better. I think the Pac-12 test is far more than what Texas's test has been. I feel like Texas has been on cruise control for over a month. But I don't see Dylan Johnson doing this against this Texas front. If you look at Texas's D-line, which we saw against Alabama, and this carried throughout the season, even when it looked like yours and their offense wasn't getting it going, and granted he missed some time because of the injury, but Ollie Gordon, the running back for Oklahoma State, like he's been a stud this year, okay? He averaged 2.6 yards per carry in the Big 12 championship, 31 yards for Oklahoma State as a team. Kansas State, they run it for 200 yards per game through the regular season. In their matchup against Texas, 29 carries, 30 yards. I don't know that that room's going to be there for Dylan Johnson. I don't think it's there for anybody against that D-line for Texas. But then it starts becoming a Penix Ewers thing. And whatever you think about Washington's defense, which definitely had some moments this year where you were going late, like what the hell is going on with those guys, which also led into me thinking that Oregon would figure it out and would win the rematch. But I'm just taking the points. I'm taking the points for a much more tested Washington team than a team that goes to the Big 12 this year. So if it were even, it might be the Texas play, but I want those points. So I'm taking both dogs. Give me Washington plus four and a half. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. 
I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. The email address is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. It is Life Advice. We have Kyle. We have Steve. Uh, let's just get to them. Okay, unwanted video sharing. First off, what would you prefer to hear on the street from an attractive woman? Love the pod or love the bod? Love the pod. Probably the second one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's just the one I, I want. I want to know the numbers are up there. I want to know where, uh, you know, we're the female demo is growing. We're, oh, yeah. That's, that's good. <laughs> Fastest growing show in America. Yeah. 18 to 35 female demo. <laughs> What's up? I love, I love that when a new sports show starts. 16 months in. Fastest growing show in America. Like, are you sure? Nope. Definitely not sure. But harder to refute. All right. So here, here we go. Um, I recently rekindled the childhood friendship via Instagram. Great guy, great friend, good energy, et cetera. I value our friendship. Totally love the dude. All right. You like this guy. But he sort of spams me with a lot of videos on chat on Instagram. I don't even pretend to watch them all, but every now and then again, I feel obligated to watch at least one or two. The problem is, is that uh, invariably, someone in the video is embarrassed or hurt or injured or humiliated and supposed to be the funny part. For me, it's just I don't want to see this part. Most likely, I'll keep doing what I'm doing, which is just politely ignore most and text them on other matters unless one of the three wise men, a Christmas reference, not a sarcastic remark, oh, that's us, can offer some really solid advice on how to get my friend to stop sending me these kinds of videos and just focus more updating me on his life in the immediate world. Can't say much about the bod, but I do indeed love the pod. All right, uh, our guys in Poland chiming in all right so you're getting spam videos look the people that send videos love sending videos i'm even on a couple text threads where i was like wait am i video guy on this one because i don't see but i noticed it <laughs> i noticed it where i was like i'm not getting much response to a couple videos that again i thought i was being fairly my engagement's down <laughs> right i thought my i was you know stringent where i was like you know i don't be fucking just giving it out for free right uh hey this is interesting we're all aligned on this stuff hey here's Here's a video. And then when I didn't see a ton of engagement, you know, some alarms went, I was like, this could be a bit like when you're getting videos from people all the time where you're like, another video. So I hear what you're saying, but I'll just say this about video people. Most people just love people that send videos. Never. I don't know that they ever go, Hey, now I'm no longer into sending those videos. They just want to share it. They enjoyed it. They want somebody else. It comes from a good place, but it is really, really fucking annoying when you have people that are big on video share. So I think a funny tactic is to say ha, one single ha, H-A, not a ha, <laughs> ha not a three. I did this to my brother once where I gave him a ha and he was like one ha, it was a great text. He just called me out immediately. He's like one, one ha. And I was like, that's pretty good. It pretty is good incredibly man. dismissive. So it's, re- it's like replying yeah. to someone like, okay, just okay, like the O and the K. That's like, that means like, cool dude, fuck off. Oh, does it? I got to stop doing that then. Because I told you I did exclamation points and ha. I didn't do ha's for a decade. And then I was like, I got to lighten up the, the tone here because everybody's like, you're kind of a dick when you text. I was like, I don't think, I don't, like, I, I got to give you an exclamation point to prove I'm not a dick. I know. It doesn't make any sense. Unfortunately, yeah, sometimes. It's like Slack culture. Kyle knows this. Like, you know, when, you, when you're, it's like the Slack thing that it's basically like AIM and email all into one, basically for people you work with. And, 
yeah, like if I don't know somebody super well and I don't throw an exclamation point at the end of something, like I feel like an ass, you know, and you just, and the, but then if you do it, it's like, wow, why are you so excited? Like, it's just, you're just telling me that something's due tomorrow. It's not that fun. So it's a weird, it's a weird gray area to be in. <laughs> how about, we need to talk about how bad your performance was in the fourth quarter. Exclamation point. <laughs> Smiley Makes face. Makes it yeah. mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, your God. sales numbers suck. Ha ha. All right. So I think, I think a single, I think a single ha every fucking time, every time, every time you get a video would be the funniest thing. Cause the reason I'm offering this up is that I want you to get something out of it. I want you to enjoy it. Don't even watch the videos. Just see how long you can yep. go single ha. I mean, could it be 20 videos? Could it be 200 straight videos where he's getting 200 single ha's in response? That's good. Does he ever say anything when he does say something? How much fun is that going to? It's going to be like a thing. It's going to be like Pete Rose chasing DiMaggio's hit streak. You're just going to be going, let me check the box score in the morning. You're going to send the ha and you're going to wait to see how long it takes him. So I think there's no real stopping him. There's no real conversation. Be like, hey, these videos suck. You know, I mean, you could just be like, hey, that guy got hurt. I don't want to see that. Or that wasn't my favorite or whatever. He doesn't care. He's rekindled this childhood friendship. Um, his, his prior, you seem to really like him too, on top of everything else. So that's important. You're just getting a lot of videos. So why don't you find a way to make it entertaining for you to see how long the Haw Street can go? Yeah. If you want to do, if you want to do that work, I say do that. I think that's probably the best advice we'll get where you can feel like you've got to win. I've got about 10 to 12 people. I think that we go back and forth on Instagram with sending stuff. I've only got one that's, uh, sends me annoying and annoying amount of videos I don't care about. And that's my wife and there's nothing I can do about it. So what I've done is, uh, I just, I'm okay with it. There's some dudes I actually have just, um, like muted it. Like you can mute, like you'll get the, you don't block them, but you just, it won't like, you won't get a, definitely turn off your notification on Instagram. So you haven't already, that's insane behavior. I think if you're getting notified, anytime somebody reaches out to you on Instagram with a like or a message, I think that's crazy. Insane but, um, behavior. It is. Um, so, and that's, I, that I've, I've, uh, I changed that like five years ago and I was like, I can't believe I didn't even do it before then. But, um, I've just gotten used to the idea of having eight, nine videos. I send her good ones. We watched, we've watched, uh, Sopranos and she loved it. Now I send her like good Sopranos clips. There's like a million of those accounts that are well run out there. I I've sent really nice curated videos, babies doing funny things. She sends me nothing but animals, just animals. And it's like, look at, look at this pet dog. And it's not even like cool animals. Like, oh my God, look at that tiger. Look how high I could jump. It's just, I'm flooded with animals. And every once in a while when I'm pooping on the toilet, I'll like, you know what? I'm going to look at my wife's things and I'll go through them all and I'll like a couple and I make sure not to like some to know that she knows I don't like, a, you know, this onslaught of cute animals enough with the rabbits already, but like, really, it's not, it's not a conversation I'm ever going to have with her. I'm just, I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. And I'm, there's always you know, pretty much my Instagram uh, messages are always read, except for there's it says like 12 plus from her and that's it. And that's OK. So if you don't want to go through the, you know, making a regimen of Haas or whatever you want to do to get it to stop, just ignore them. I mean, you guys have each other's phone number. If there's really something like you're not having real meaningful conversations over the Instagram app, are you? So I think you could just totally ignore them. And, you know, every once in a while when you're sitting on the pot, just look through them and and uh, or don't or just make it seem like you look through them if, if you don't really want to have a, a solution to this other than just forgetting about it. I don't really have much to add because I, I definitely agree with, with Ryan's advice, but how many, I'm just curious because I, I, I don't know if I'm in the, 
if I have too many or, or not enough. How many like actual threads are you guys on where you're sending someone like at least a, a couple memes a week or a couple videos a week? Because I think I really only have two. It's like my buddy's group chat. And the extension of that is our group chat on Instagram and then my wife. Like, I don't have any more than basically two spots. And then I guess my family, to some extent, we have a group chat, but it's not as the, the traffic's not as high there. It's like every, you know, maybe, maybe once a week. But my wife and I send multiple things a day, friends, multiple things a day. But if anybody that I didn't know super well was doing that to me, I'd be weirded out. It, it would really yeah. creep me out. It's probably five. I don't really have group chats on Instagram that we like go back and forth in, but yeah, it's probably like five including my wife. There was one from somebody I didn't really know that well, just sending the horniest stuff all the time. Yeah, man, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... Or, or just like comedians that are just like way too aggressive. And you're like, hey, man, I don't know you that well. Like, this is a little bit edgy for, for, our, for, for how well we know each other. One of my best buds when I got married and like the run up to it just started sending me like memes about cheating on your wife. And I'm like, what are you oh, doing? Man. What the fuck is this? I've never given you any like... I've never given you any inkling like this is what I'm about. And like... And it was like, I think it was after the bachelor party, nothing terrible happened at the bachelor party. We were just kind of drinking and, you know, at secrets the whole time. Um, like, I don't, it just, he just, he went, it's still to this day. It's just like, and it was like wedding things. Like we were wife dog walking down the aisle, knowing what you're about to do. Like, it was just, it's just crazy shit. Like, it's, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, I told him you need to stop that because that was like, there was no, it was uncalled for and whatever, but sometimes when there are like guys that get, and we're getting a little off topic here, but there are guys that get excited to be angry husband guy, you know, or like, Oh, my wife annoys me. Like they're, they're pumped to get married uh, so they can be annoyed at their wife. And those guys suck. Totally well, Cause I'm just, yeah. Like, I, you know, I've got like, I've got, you know, I've got like uncles and family members who I love. They're great. But it's like, Hey man, like we were married for like six months. Like, man, you ready to get out yet? And it's like, no, actually like I'm, it's, things are going great. Is that weird? Does that make me weird? I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I'm like, I don't know. And it's like, you like want me to be miserable. I'm not miserable though. Like, I'm sorry. Send them counter their <laughs> stereotypical all in the family depressed husband memes with just happy, like Instagram health wellness memes. But that's not me either. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like, I'm not like, oh man, like my marriage, we talk about our feelings every morning for 15 minutes, whenever we, I'm not that guy either. I just, I'm just, I'm content. Do that. You know? I'm sorry. I'm not, I know you don't, but tell them that you do counter no, I don't want it. Because they would, just, I don't want them to think I'm some like you know simple loser. Uh, so I don't know. Like I'm just a normal guy, man. I just I'm just a happily married guy. What can I say? Sorry, happy. <laughs> sorry, sorry to disappoint you. Happy Steve's here again. Fucking loser. It's kind of similar. Okay. It's kind of similar to the guys that are balding, right? I feel like where they're like Whoa. they're like they take joy in other guys balding. It's like, hey man, oh, no, like, no. just leave it. Let this me is, just let me do great. me. Yeah, I I hated it. I hated when Van Pelt would. Every six months, kind of like, give me a look. And I was like, you're rooting for it. You're not a friend. He is a friend, but I didn't love it. Speaking of Van Pelt, uh, we got an email here. 31 years old, six foot, 160, more of a runner than a weightlifter, but I try to keep a balanced fitness routine. My wife and I bought a house in West Hartford this year. I know Yo. there are a lot of ESPN folks in the area, but I haven't run into any yet. Was that just a shout out? Was that just a yo from you there, sir? No, I was. I, I live right near West Hartford. I was there uh, on Christmas Eve. It's a great spot. How's the center doing? It's great. You know, it's uh, they replaced um, vibrant. They replaced your spot, uh, Grants, with this really great pizza place called Sparrow. Shouts out to to our guy Adam. Shout Another out another pizza place, dude. I'm telling uh, you, it's incredible yeah. though. It's incredible. So when you're whenever you're back, we'll go. I would um, say. I would say Trevor was my spot far more so than any other spot. Uh, yep, Trevor's yeah. good too. But I'm 
it's a good. I'm just saying, I'm excited for my guy. West Hartford's a fun spot. Okay. Shout out to West Hartford. So they bought a house there. Um, we consistently get mail and packages addressed to the family who sold us the house. Turns out they know Scott's family, Scott Van Pelt's family, uh, because they're on their Christmas card distribution list. I connected the dots when I saw the return address and let my curiosity get the best of me. I opened and I now proudly display the Van Pelt Christmas card on my refrigerator. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Don't need advice here because I'm certainly not going to add them to our list, but I just want to let you know uh, how likely you think it is that we stay on their list for years to come. Uh, I don't know. Wow. There was an audible groan there from Kyle. You don't like this move, huh? It's a big step. It's a big step. You have to ask, are you the dude that opens people's mail? And uh, if you if you can tell it's a Christmas card, I guess that's that's cool. But I tell you what, you know what? It, what looks like Christmas cards, like birthday cards with money in it, Christmas gift cards. You know what I mean? Like you run the risk of that not being a Christmas card unless it's like a straight up postcard. But you wouldn't even have to open it at that point. So I think, you know, that could have been that could have been not a Christmas card. That could have been totally like a, a check for 300 bucks or it could have been, uh, I don't know, a gift card for houston's restaurants i don't know what people give but i like it i know a lot of times those christmas cards come in envelopes that look like what people get when they're sending you know small gifts for holidays or birthdays so you had yeah you had a set on you for opening that um but it turns out it was okay i just i wouldn't get in the habit yeah i definitely wouldn't get in the habit but you're you're safe in this in this spot but i yes. yeah I, that it was been okay a, like i don't know if i would be cool with that either even if it was a christmas card i just don't want people doing that to my mail with all due respect but you know, that's just me. Because you can't give it back. What if you needed to give it back? It's like, hey, I opened this thing that somebody sent you. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, uh, I got it to you, but I definitely opened it to see if it was, you know, if it was something I wanted. <laughs> yeah. What if there was a post-it note that said like to a secret love that can never be celebrated? <laughs> right. And you're like, whoa, mm. what's going on here? This isn't just a Christmas card. This is a mystery. <laughs> right. I don't love the opening up of the mail, but if you knew it was a Christmas card, I think most people are going to open that one up when they see Van Pelt's name on the return address. I just think right. they are. They could like want to see what the Christmas card looks like here on this one. Uh, he also wanted to thank Sarudi for the recommendation on a jeweler on buying an engagement ring. Uh, he mentioned oh, it yeah. on the pod a couple of years ago, and uh, it it all worked out. All right. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. I think I know this guy. So, wow, he's got a lot going on. You think you know him? Right. Well, no, he DM'd me. That's all why right. I, I remember him DMing remember me, asking interaction. me. Yeah, so that's great. I'd love to hear that. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. Okay. Uh, one more here. Do I need to tell my girlfriend I love her? Hey, guys. Love the show. Appreciate life advice, uh, aka your support of maladjusted middle aged men like myself. Hey, we had an 18 year old who was freaking out about LeBron and Jordan debates. He might be out of depression now because of us. 62, 185. Don't know uh, max bench numbers uh, these days, but can run 50 miles in a row. Jesus Christ. NBA player comp is. Is that straight up? I think it probably means 50 miles a week. Uh, Draymond, if he was only mildly psychotic and a worse passer. Uh, I've been taking a lot of heat from my buddies recently and how my relationship is unfolding and need your guys' help in figuring out what the right normal approach uh, to it should be. I'm in my mid-30s and met my girlfriend 18 months ago. We've been officially dating for 15 months. She's two years older than me and does want to get married and have a family at some point fairly soon. He didn't give us an age here, did he? Uh, he said middle age, so okay. Everything's been going well. We get along great. Starting to think about the future. We just started a joint investment account on uh, Robinhood. Okay. Spent holidays, a lot of time with each other's families and friends. We were going to Southeast Asia together for six weeks to start next year. 
part work, part vacation, and found a lot of time to travel together already. One night, almost a year ago, we both got borderline blacked out and told one another we loved each other. But we've not mentioned the night since. I've otherwise not told her that I love her. If I'm being honest, I'm not fully certain I do. Who even knows what that means these days? It means a joint investment account. That. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. De- definitely one thing it means. Usually the, the love you thing, although technically if it happened a year ago, that's in front of the joint account. I never understand, like, what's the rush? Why do you have to be in a joint? And again, that's an investment account too. Like, all right, that's fine. Um, but my best group of buddies has recently been telling me that I'm an idiot for A, not knowing that I love her, love her or B, not telling her that I do, regardless uh, of the answer to part A. I personally don't think there's anything wrong with uh, just continuing as is, but am I leading my girlfriend on in any way or potentially damaging the relationship long-term simply because I won't check this box and say I love her? Any thoughts, reactions would be very appreciated. Thanks, guys. I think we've delved into this kind of stuff before. The question is, really, uh, what you have to do is based on kind of what she wants you to do in this case. And I don't think that's the default all the time for the male-female dynamic. I think often you know, too often kind of earlier we were talking about, it's like, Oh, I'm just going to do whatever she says the whole time. But in this case, um, it, it appears that she's okay with it and she's never said it to you. Okay. So if she's okay with it, then I guess you guys are okay. Um, as far as like what that even means these days, I don't even, I don't know what that sentence means right now. You know, as if the concept of love has evolved to this unknown place where 20 years ago it was easier to understand or whatever. I mean, look, um, everybody will tell you you kind of know it when you feel it. If you've never been in it, then maybe that's harder for you to understand. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of the things that would make sense that you enjoy being with this person. I know that sounds really simple, but. You know, when you're actually looking forward to being with the person, that's a pretty good sign. And it sounds like you've given us no indications whatsoever. So if she's cool with you not verbalizing it, most women would want it to be verbalized. Uh, and again, if you're mid-30s to well, mid-30s, middle age, I guess, mid-30s, early 40s, if she's, she's around that age and wants to start a family, wants to do all that stuff, I don't know it's about verbalizing that sentence to her as much as it makes just making sure that you're on the same page because she doesn't want to waste two years with somebody that may not be into it because you sound like you're kind of not into it but i think you're not into it in in just confirming something that you seem to be very into otherwise so it's really if this were such an issue for her i mean forget what your friend said here i mean they're, they're not necessarily wrong but that's not the person that you have to make happy here um I don't, it sounds kind of awkward to be like, hey, do we need to bring this up? Do we need to talk about this? I wouldn't delve in and be like, I'm not sure that I am, or I don't really know what it means, or maybe it's a little bit more complicated. It's just not the way I am. You know, we, that's not probably not going to go over great. But if she hasn't kind of asked you or any kind of follow up, or I don't know if she remembers that night or whatever, maybe you're just with somebody that doesn't need that kind of outward confirmation because it, feels like she has all the real confirmations that she needs unless you're in this weird phase of like, I guess I've never really felt it or I'm not feeling it now or I don't really know what to compare it to. So therefore, I guess I'm good. But I guess I'm good is not what somebody wants to hear when the concept <laughs> of like spending the rest of your life with this person is is on the table. Yeah, I think um, 
if you're in and as a general rule of thumb, this is what I've followed. If you're, you know, if you're dating somebody and uh, you're not like looking for a way out and they say it, I'm just saying it back. I think it's okay to lie in that situation. Um, <laughs> what? What? I don't know. I don't know about. Well, that. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not. It's not three. It's not a month in or something. But I'm saying if we're if 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 she brings it up at six months or something like. I'm not even going to think about it. It's just a response. I, I mean, I, maybe it's just because I have a hard time being like, you like, what do you say to that? It's so much easier to say I love you. And if you break it up, is. it's, it's not easier. like people who <laughs> love people don't ever, you know, don't ever break up. So it's just like, yeah, I loved you. I love you now, whatever. Uh, it's just not working. Like, it's there's really nothing. What's the downside of saying, yeah, I love you too? I said it wants to get out of a fight. <laughs> Did you? That's great. I right? It's totally worth it. Totally First worth time. it. Do you regret that? First no. time. Not really. I mean, I was young, but yeah, I was, just, I was getting worked. I was getting worked over for a decision. We went to this thing after the bars closed. I got invited to this thing. So she was tagging along. I've been with her for a while. And I was, she was just getting, I was just getting yelled at. She was like, you know, we get these weekends because of my job. And then I come to see you at work. I was like, yeah, but this is kind of like my night. And she was like, just, and she was right. She was right about everything she said. And I finally was like, whatever. I was like, this is how I feel ended the fight immediately it was unbelievable right. it's fucking awesome that you could it's just like pull a, that out and i'm not saying use it to get ahead yeah. can't do it a lot if it, but can't if do it, it a lot. I, I think you can uh but that, that's every just time my, you get into a fight i love experience. you though i love you <laughs> no the first i love you definitely that's like, the trump card we met three hours ago <laughs> you don't have a job you're a deadbeat like you smell like you're out of shape yeah but i love you hey so, like, I it's love okay you, right? <laughs> what do you want me to do i'm just yeah. in love no i i just don't I don't know. I'm just not a, a fan of like playing with people's emotions in that way. And I don't feel like, I don't what know. Does it I, just, mean, I don't love Steve? it. What does it mean? Well, I think, Sincere well, I, Steve in, over here. In this specific instance, it sounds like they, they might both Steve. be playing. <laughs> what? <laughs> it sounds like they might both be playing like chicken. And maybe she's like, oh man, like I don't want to bring it up either. And she feels the same way you do. I would just ignore it. Nobody has to say anything. Like if right. she wants to bring it up, she can bring it up, but she hasn't. So that doesn't mean you have to bring it up. Just keep, just if you're happy, just keep being happy. And then maybe six months, you know, uh, a year, whatever you talk about the love conversation. But I don't think you have to bring it up unless she also wants to bring it up. Right. And maybe she's in the same situation as you. So I wouldn't worry about it. And if she says it, just say it back. That's it. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I think that that's one thing versus like just being like, oh, man, like, I don't know if I actually love this girl, but I'll just tell her I love her so that we could stop talking about it. I, that to me is not I don't I don't love that move. Well, it's not so we stop talking about it. It's just like, hey, listen, we're not breaking up. She loves me. What do you want me to say? Like, if we're absolutely dating, if it's casual and whatever that means, like, I get I get like wrestling with that a little bit. But if it's just like, listen, we're exclusive. We've been dating for a while. We traveled to South Asia. That's a quite a flight to take with a a buddy yep. or, or whatever you're calling. You know, it's and you're you've got an investment account and you're sharing passwords. <laughs> like, I think if she says I love you, it's just like if you're not looking for a way out of this, then pick the fight right there, I guess. I, I know <laughs> you're saying. with it. Yeah. But if just say it. I mean, what's the problem? She's not gonna be like. We broke up and you because you lie, you know, and you lied about it. It's like, no, who's to know? You just say I love you because I don't want you to be sad. Because to Ryan's point, I think you don't want to like lead someone down. Like if you say that, she's going to be like, oh, well, this, this, you know, he loves me. This maybe this is something that is going to be forever. And if you don't have that in your mind, then you're misleading her and you're wasting her time. I guess but if time. you're not planning an exit, I think it's all the same. I think it's all the same. Maybe. I think we covered it. Good luck, man. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to Kyle. Ryan Russell Podcast. Ringer Spotify.
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call one 800 Eight Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.